mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another episode of Telling Everybody Everything, my socials. And if you don't follow me, my Instagram is the one I use most. It's at Kathbottom. Have been going bananas. The engagement has been through the roof. The algorithms have rewarded me. I recently saw a TikTok that explained how to get more followers. Now, I have never made this a priority of mine. I do think as as my daughter will call me, a hashtag boomer, though I am an elder millennial last year, 1983, of being a millennial. I'm actually the perfect generation because I got to experience life without screens. I'm comfortable speaking to people face to face. My mother would ask me to go to the neighbors and borrow a cup of milk or an egg or whatever for a recipe. I know how to sew. I actually have like life skills, but my generation also know how to operate technology. So like we are just so lucky. But I'm old, yeah, I get that. And um, on TikTok, there was a young woman who was saying, here's how you get more followers. One of the things you do, she said, all the algorithm cares about is engagement. Doesn't care when you post, how often you post, if you use trending sounds or anything else. The algorithm doesn't care about that. All the algorithm cares about is saves, shares, comments. I was thinking, huh, because it is important in my industry to grow your audience online. I don't really know what's happening with TV in the next five to 10 years, but she's right. She's right. I've organically grown my Instagram to about a million and uh, it grew by another like, I don't know, five to 10,000 this week because a clip of the podcast went viral in a bad way. It's sort of been shared by people who hate it. And that's fine. I mean, look, engagement is engagement. And I love that they message you to be like, I'm sharing this with all my friends, you dumb, dirty bitch. I'm like, all right. Um, And people argue with each other in the comments and they flood the comments to tell you how stupid you are, all that great stuff. Basically, one of you wonderful listeners wrote in last week with a dating dilemma that you met a guy and everything started fine. And then all of a sudden he revealed that he was a conspiracy theorist. I don't have a problem with, I think conspiracy theory is a name that is given to anyone who questions authority. I am very anti-establishment actually. I have had a lot of criticism about my views on the COVID vaccine, for example. I don't think vaccines are bad necessarily. It's not that I think there's this big uh, like force at work to do this or do that, but I do think evil people profited from something. And I do think that loads of people lost their small businesses and we moved to a system of just, you know, more wealth for the wealthy and mom and pop shops are done. I didn't like how McDonald's could be open, but like the local cafe couldn't. And I don't fundamentally think that this corrupt government who robs us and cheats and steals and lies should be in charge of what medicine you inject into your children. I don't think that. I think they should make all these medical advancements available to you and then people will use them if they want. And if they don't want, then they won't. And then I know what you're saying. Oh, herd immunity, Catherine, everyone has to take it. I don't think that you, I think it's a very flawed system to have a government locking people in their homes and giving them forced vaccines. I'm sorry. And people will disagree with me on that. But the irony is that I spoke about this conspiracy theorist that the woman was dating. And I said, yeah, I think, and she said, a lot of the guys that I'm dating now have these views. They don't believe in dinosaurs or evolution or the moon landing. And they think 9-11's a hoax. Um, and they are super religious and they're anti-abortion and DDDD. And I said, I think that the growth of podcasts like Joe Rogan, for example, who is someone I really like. I like the podcast. I have no problem with outside ideas. I think it's a wonderful thing. 
but a lot of these truth seekers are drawn to podcasts like that, whereas, you know, conspiracy theorists always existed, but there's now a real momentum where they're drawn in by these podcasts and then they go down a rabbit hole, some of them. You know, some of them just listen to the podcast and they, they go, oh, that was very interesting and they're able to separate what is interesting information from what's a little bit bullshit, but others are not able to separate that. And I can identify very easily the guys who are mental because they've taken a 90-second clip from my podcast and jumped to loads of conclusions and not bothered to do any other investigations and who are now being like really abusive and attacking and derogatory. And it's like, yeah, yeah, no, you're proving my point. Like you see a little clip online that you jump onto and then you're like, and this bitch is going to be lonely forever. And you inject your children. I wonder how many times she's been vaxxed. All I said, because I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist sometimes, but when you're dating a guy and all of a sudden out of the blue, early doors, he has a laundry list of quite wacky beliefs. It's too many. The list is too long. And the woman asked me, what should I do? I think I fundamentally, as a feminist, believe that it is very dangerous for you to hitch your wagon to someone who, like this guy, is probably quite staunchly anti-abortion. Does that mean that you need to be with only like a left-wing cuck? <laughs> That's not what I was suggesting in the clip. But anyway, here's what I've learned is that, yeah, engagement was through the roof on that. People calling me a stupid whore. And that was great for my um, followers. So even though it's not really my priority to grow followers, that does work. So the woman on TikTok, you were bang on about that. She said, be controversial, ask questions in your clips and, you know, Try to get, don't be, don't be hateful, uh, but just state your opinions, have some uh, questions so that people are encouraged to engage with your post. If you're looking to gain followers, that's how you do it. Where do I begin this week? Where do I begin? As you know, I have been uh, called a high performance woman in the past. My husband learned this term on the internet. He says, Catherine, you're a high-performance woman. I have a high-performance wife. You always show up to a game of checkers playing chess. And this sort of annoys him about me, but I think he respects me a little bit too. It's true. I have to reach for the stars all the time, and uh, I should not have been so ambitious this holiday season in scheduling a family trip to Disneyland. Paris. My children are too young. I don't know what I was thinking. Uh, there's sort of a lull between Christmas and New Year's. I have been to Disneyland Paris at Christmas before when Violet was 18 months. I brought her along with my nephew and my mom. He's not my nephew. He's my cousin, but he's young. So I call him my nephew. Long story. Love him very much. Miss him dearly. He's not dead. He just lives in Canada. Um, we went there and it was snowing and the German market sort of fantasy land was so beautiful and Violet had a great time because 14 years ago, or I guess 12 years ago when she was that age, uh, Mickey Mouse Clubhouse was really popular and that drew the toddlers in and they had lots of shows about that and, and she recognized all the characters walking around and she could speak at 18 months and do loads of sign language and she knew Mickey Mouse and she was blown away. We stayed in the Disneyland Hotel and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience that I will always treasure. It was a magical Christmas. And we don't have a lot of family around. It's not as though we're going around with packages and putting on our mitts and boots and visiting family. Like, that doesn't happen here in London with us. We sort of just are in no man's land for a little while. My mom and my sister and her husband visited, but they only stayed for two days. They've got their own families to get back to. My mom's partner had to stay in Canada for work, Abe the Babe, so they weren't here for long. And I thought... Oh, what a perfect time. We don't have the babysitter. She's away for six weeks, actually. And uh, I thought, between Christmas and New Year's, we will take the babies on the Eurostar and go to Disneyland Paris. So ahead of time, I messaged uh, the PR because I have been invited to Disneyland Paris before. I had contacts for their PR. And then I was also giving a contact for like an in-house PR for them. And I reached out to them because I just wanted it to be the best experience possible. And I had hit some roadblocks. So when I first rang, uh, Disneyland, I mean, I, look, I love Disneyland. This review has some positives and some negatives in it. Just spoiler alert. I don't want to be ungrateful. Uh, the PR lady that I spoke to was so nice and really helpful. But I do have to tell the truth. And that is when I originally rang to make the booking, 
The people on the other end of the line, bear in mind, yes, Disneyland's the happiest place on earth and they're very friendly, but they're still French. And so the guy was a bit like, oh, you want to make a booking or not? Like Disneyland's attitude is basically like, we're Disneyland. What are you going to do? Like you want to come or you don't want to come. We'll make it all right for you. But ultimately, we don't have to bend over backwards because where are you going to stay? You are our bitch, basically, if you want to take your kids to Disneyland and you will do as we say. (laughs) So the guy was like, oh, well, we have this room available. And we have, of course, he was answering me in English, even though I was trying to speak to him in French. Fine. He said, uh, this room is this much, this room is this much, it's available on these days. And they start to speak in a script where they're very difficult to interrupt. So he told me the best hotel room and that's the one I wanted. But then he kept speaking and I was like, like everything, I'm all about efficiency and they're not efficient on this booking line. And you can't book any of the suites online, so we have to call. Finally, the booking was complete. And then he started to go into like, what would you like to do on this day? Where would you like to? And I was like, I can't do this on the phone. Like, as I said before, I'm an elder millennial. Um, you're not speaking to a 70 year old. Like I have to do this online somewhere. He's like, yeah, download the app, go in the app and you can book it. And I went to look and he said, do it quickly because restaurants won't have any more bookings available. You've booked so close to the time. Like when this was maybe three weeks out, he goes, uh, you're not going to get a place to eat. And I was like, what? Now we bear in mind are staying in the nicest suite of the nicest available hotel. The actual Disneyland hotel is closed for refurbishments. It's reopening in January. If you want to go, it's probably beautiful. And the Eurostar is not operating their direct London St. Pancras to Disney service, which used to be two hours. They're not operating that right now for whatever reason. You have to change in Lille. So that adds hours to the journey. Um, But we're staying in the best suite that the available hotel has, the best one. And I'm thinking, okay, I sort of have a background in customer service. I was a waitress for a long time. I'm North American. I value customer service. I tour. I stay in a lot of hotels. And there's something deep within me that believes that you as a hotel need to accommodate the guests that you have and feed them and make space for them. So if you're letting outside bookings in for dinner, that's fine. But have a little reserved area where you go, Um, If people in one of the presidential suites want to have dinner, we have to make that available to them. And I've experienced this in different countries where I've gone to the hotel bar and been like, oh, can we have a table for dinner for even like two or three people tonight at six? And they go, no, no, we're totally booked up. And I go, "Mm, well, that's funny because I'm staying in the presidential suite. So I feel like I'm not just someone off the street who's made a booking. You have to prioritize your guests. I feel like that's part, it's like a members club. It's like that's part of what the hotel is supposed to do is feed the guests. But a lot of hotels don't do this. And Disneyland doesn't do this. They're like, basically, fuck you. So um, there was very little availability for dinner. My app showed me this one restaurant called Davy Crockett's something. And it was a weird booking time. I didn't know if I could keep the babies awake till 7.45 it was. But I booked it because I was like, well, where else are we going to eat? And they're like, oh, you can eat at the kiosks. The kiosks at Disneyland. Basically, the Disneyland uh, motto is eat churros all day long. All day long, you can have donuts, cookies, or churros. You're going to line up for about 20 minutes to get those. And there appears to be no actual food. And in the establishments that have like savory food, which is limited to like chicken fingers, hot dogs. I think a few, you know, they have restaurants in there, like a steakhouse and a little Tex-Mex, but they're so booked up that if you want to eat something, your options are limited and you have to wait a long time. And there are no vegetables. I won't be the first person to tell you this. There is not a vegetable in Disneyland for some reason. Why? If you have a bunch of kids there, especially in 2023, 2024, nearly, Some people don't want to feed their kids pasta and pizza and chicken fingers all day, like an increasing number of people. And if you're offering a four star, not five star, unfortunately, hotel service and you're offering presidential suites and stuff like that, like, yeah, room service has salad and stuff like that. And there was a lovely minestrone soup. But day to day availability of that kind of food in the park is limited. I just feel like Disneyland is so expensive. It's packed. So then you need to rise to the occasion and be like, all right, we got to feed these people. But maybe the plan is not really to feed you that much. Like maybe the plan is let's keep everybody moving. Let's keep people on the rides. Let's keep people sugared up. I don't know. Not to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but there must be some ulterior motive to making it so difficult to get food. 
Don't even get me started on alcohol. I heard, and this could be false, but when I was in, uh, where, LA? That Disneyland, the California one? Disney World land, don't know, doesn't matter. Uh, someone told me that Walt Disney was an alcoholic, and I don't want to disparage his reputation, but a man of his age at that time probably would have been an alcoholic because that was like cool to be. You know what I mean? It was just part of business is you had a bottle of scotch in the boardroom and that was fine and you opened it at 9 a.m. and you just drank all day. And um, so it makes it very difficult to get alcohol in any of the Disney parks. I think in America, it's genuinely impossible. Luckily, Paris is a little bit more libre and you can get wine in a few places. There are little ratatouille village. You could have mulled wine, you could have white wine. There's beer here and there. And then the restaurants have cocktails, but there'd be like sugary cocktails that aren't even you know, fit to drink. Like nowhere can you get a double Hendrix and tonic except in Disney Village. Disney Village is the little space between Disneyland and the hotels where you actually can get a table and eat. They have Earl of Sandwich, they have Starbucks in there, they have a Rainforest Cafe and a few little diners. Rainforest Cafe is where we chose to feed the children as often as we could because they had things they would eat and also salads and um, you could get a little bit nicer cocktails in there. But Disney Village is like, I was blown away, number one, by the number of regional accents. I saw loads of British people. I met loads of really wonderful people. None of them from London. It was all like Welsh or like Northern Irish or Yorkshire, like Newcastle, very Liverpudlian presence there. And everyone was vaping. Disney Village is an area of just like vaping and shopping I've never seen so much vaping in my life and smoking actual cigarettes while pushing a buggy or holding a child's hand. That was madness to me. Disney Village is sort of like, I don't know what to call it. It's like a trash high street. I didn't have a nice time. I didn't have a nice time. But is that Disneyland's fault or is it my fault for bringing very small children to Disneyland? The other problem with me is that I am very fancy. I have ruined my own life by experiencing the type of customer service you are supposed to receive when you're paying thousands of pounds. And I don't even think that's a spoiled thing to say. I think it's a very humble, uh, value for money, working class thing to say. It's like, well, hang on, you're charging these people thousands of pounds. Well, I've been to the Four Seasons. I've been to beautiful places before. I know what you are supposed to receive for that amount of money. But there's a, there's a little hack that Disneyland has where they don't have to give it to you. <laughs> They're like, you will eat from this trough at exactly this time and you will go here and you will do what we tell you to do. And by the way, we have removed all the characters. When I took Violet in 2011, there were loads of characters milling around. Like you could meet, and yes, of course there were lineups. This is before Frozen even came out. So you could meet Rapunzel and you could meet Mickey and Pluto. They were always walking around the hotel. Princesses were everywhere. And I asked like, where are all the characters? It just seemed very barren. We saw Jafar once just walking around. Jesse from Toy Story. Um, we saw the chipmunks hanging out and that's it. And Mickey and Minnie would come and make an appearance at the top of the entranceway in the mornings and sing a little Christmas song. That was a nice touch. But where are the characters? And someone said, well, during COVID, we stopped doing that because it was really dangerous for the princesses, especially the princesses don't get to wear a hat and don't get to wear a mask. It was too dangerous, so we stopped doing it during COVID. And I was like, well, where is it now? Well, here's what happens, is you realize you don't have to do something and you save money by not doing it, so then why ever do it again? We asked for a banana in the hotel because due to being in a suite, we could eat in this little suite, like members breakfast place. I had scrambled eggs and beans every day, like a bum from the 1930s who lives on trains. I don't even know, you know the reference I mean? <laughs> and I asked for a banana. Can we please have one banana? And yeah, they had fruit salad. They had lovely little things like that for the kids. But my children eat one banana and scrambled eggs. I said, may I please have a banana? No, we don't have bananas. We don't have bananas. Well, what does the guy from the Jungle Book? Like, you have monkeys. You have to have bananas. No, no, but the banana. Okay. Désolé. The Davy Crockett's Ranch Dinner we never went to because it turned out, 
I got a little notification on my app. They were like, just so you know, this is nowhere near the park. It's 10 minutes away in a car and there's no shuttle. And I thought, what? We came here on the train. Where are we going to get a car and go 10? Why is a Disneyland restaurant not in Disneyland? And then the wonderful PR lady was like, oh, we have sorted you a reservation in Disneyland at the steakhouse, which would have been lovely. And I said to her, it's a tricky time for the kids. I don't know if we're going to be able to keep them awake. And we weren't able to make it. But that was very nice. She did that for us, but we didn't go. And we just like rolled around. Basically, we did two, 22,000 steps every day, just pushing buggies around and hearing Fred ask, can we go home? I want to go home. When will we go home? And then the children like were cold and they can't go on any rides anyway. And I mean, I just thought to myself, what is wrong with me? Like, why did I have to do this? Why do I have to engineer fun for my family when all they really wanted to do was eat vegetables in our kitchen? <laughs> That's the other thing. Like, if you know that you're catering to parents who are just going to be dragged around by very excited children, my children were the wrong age, but if your children are the right age, they will love it. But if you are setting parents up for a day in hell, the least you could do is give them a decent coffee in the morning in the hotel bar, just give them a lovely coffee in the morning. But no, this was like machine coffee with too much whipped milk. I mean, everyone was friendly when we got there though. Like everyone was really nice, but I just made a massive mistake booking it. It was too soon. On the last day we had a tour guide and this is key. If you can afford to have a VIP guide, which I don't want to tell you how much it is. It's a, it's a crazy amount. I personally felt like it was worth it. It's six hours with someone who will just take you to the front of the ride and let you go on. It's better than fast pass. You don't have to queue for anything. And this person knows all about the park and she was really magical and really friendly. And it just made for perfect, perfect experience. I, as a spoiled person, I would never go again unless I had children the right age and had this VIP guide because Bobby and Violet on the last day, that was really their time to shine. She took them on the best rides, hit them all in six hours, took us into shows. The kids really loved the spectacle, the different shows that they had. We saw a Magic Mickey one, and then we saw one about a Pixar orchestra. Don't know what either of the shows were called, but they were great. And we didn't have to queue for those. We got great seats for those. We would have had VIP area to watch the parade. That would have been tremendous, but the kids were asleep. <laughs> Why did I take a two-year-old and a one-year-old to Disneyland? Here is what Disneyland can do to make a more luxury experience for people like me. Uh, see, I feel that I should be consulted by hotels worldwide about what spoiled Karens like me actually want out of a hotel experience. Now, by the way, I tipped everywhere I went. I never complained out loud. I knew that I was recording the podcast on a Saturday and I was keeping it all pent up. Had I uh, been given a glass of champagne in the morning, I might've had a better day but I understand why there's such a low availability of alcohol throughout Disney. I do appreciate that British people are terrible ambassadors for themselves on holiday, and you really don't want drunk people schlepping around a theme park, puking on the teacups hourly, uh, sexual harassment follows. You know, I, I get that you can't have alcohol, fine, fair play, but you can have a luxury coffee. You can offer people a beautiful glass of champagne. You can, at Disneyland, have a market stall of fruit because hello, it's in Aladdin where Aladdin steals an apple or the princess Jasmine steals an apple for this little child and then almost gets her hand chopped off. And then she's like, excuse me, here's my crown. That's how I felt on this journey. Just have a themed market stall where parents can go and buy a banana. Charge seven pounds for the banana. I don't even care. Like keep it the Disney vibe. You can even do bananas on a stick, frozen, dipped in chocolate. Like there are ways to make, and they had candy apples. <laughs> I can't feed a one-year-old a candy apple. And you know what? Maybe you are one of the adults who got engaged at Disneyland. You're there and you're all dressed up and your kids love Disney because they're your genetic material and it doesn't matter that they're one or that they're two. And you're really going for yourself and you're bringing them along because you have cool, calm kids. Like maybe your kids are not my kids. And then Disney is for you. You can't get that experience anywhere else. 
It was snowing sometimes. There were horses and buggies. Fred went on two different trains that he loved, though I got in trouble on one of the trains for not having socks on Fenna. <laughs> the train takes about 20 or 30 minutes, and it goes all around the park, and Fred, like many young boys and grown men, really loves trains, and the odd young woman once in a while loves trains. I don't know. Steam engines. It was really exciting, but Fenna is, and I tried to say this to them when I got scolded, elle est la plus jeune, elle est folle, elle est méchant, elle est violent. I could not keep Fenna's socks on her because she kept ripping them off. And I had her in my lap on this ride, but 20 minutes, like inception, in the life of a one-year-old is about 10 hours. And she kept wanting to get off my lap. I would not let her off my lap until the ride was stopped. The ride stops at Frontierland for like five minutes to let people on and off. And I did let her walk around the little caboose that we were in. And a woman comes to me. She's like, uh, est-ce que vous pouvez mettre la so chaussure, les chaussures sur le bébé? Put socks or shoes on or whatever. And I said, I can't actually. And the woman, God bless her. She's like, I'm not getting paid enough for this fight. So she left. And then two managers came and they said, hello. And I said, I mean, okay, but if I do that, she's going to slide around. And they said, well, don't let her stand. And I said, I don't. When the ride's moving, I promise you, I don't let her stand. But in between, she's very bored and she just wants to walk around. And they were like, you have to hold her. I said, well, tell her that. Like, this baby's nuts. I'm going to try my best. But when you have a baby, there's a balance that you're always trying to achieve between like doing what's right and following the rules and not ruining everyone else's experience by having a crying baby. And that's the thing that I think, you know, I do want to follow the rules. I get that that's your job, but I also don't want everyone on the train glaring at me because my child is screaming. And Fena has turned her personality around. Like, she's mean now if you tell her off. Violet has the constitution of a teen mom, and she tells the kids off all the time, whereas Bobby and I are too old to fight. So we're like, whatever you want, here you go. Have another churros. And Violet's like, no, Fenna, no. But if you tell Fenna no, she will act like you pinched her. She, she hates being told no. It's better to trick Fenna into not doing the thing than to outright tell her no. So Violet's like, no, Fenna. I'm like, please don't, please don't tell her no. And she screamed. But that was a wonderful time on the train. And I did put the socks on. And I am sorry to any Disney employee who felt like I was giving you resistance. It was not me. I am merely a agent for this child. There were, of course, joyful moments at Disneyland, and I needed to do 22,000 steps in a day and drink less alcohol. So it was a fine detox for Bobby and me. There were memories made there that will last a lifetime, even if they're funny memories, memories of the kids kicking off, or memories of them sleeping in the buggy with their little mouse hats on, which are very warm. And I got a real sense of nostalgia because Violet had the same hat when she went to Disneyland. And Disney is magic. There are magical moments that you will only get there. And that's why they know that. And they don't give you the good coffee. And I will say this. I think that going on an adventure, a challenging journey with your small children or your family, no matter what age, is very important. Whether that be a train to Disney, whether it be somewhere in the UK, a plane to a different country, even just going into central London on the tube, wherever you live, I think taking your family out of their comfort zone is important because it teaches them cooperation, compromise, and it builds resilience, I think for all of you. And it gives everyone an appreciation of home. They learn that like, oh, this is a holiday, it's temporary, I have to queue for a while, I have to accommodate other people's space, I need to wait for a while, I might cry and then it's all right, and I might have to sleep in a different place, I might be a little cold for a while, but wonderful things are going to happen, I'm going to eat sugar for three days, all right, I'm going to feel a bit sick, but I'll survive, and then I'll have a big train journey home, and all of a sudden everything's back to how it used to be, oh, okay, like things are adjusted, and they're exciting and they're new and they're scary and then they're back to the way they were again. I feel like that's so important for every family. And I'm super tempted because I only really had to manage one small child and I was young and I had loads of energy. <laughs> um, when you have multiple children and you're old, it is harder and I am tempted to be like, yeah, they're happier with each other and their playroom and we can get the babysitter and we can go somewhere ourselves. That is tempting, but I think it's wrong. I think you have to challenge yourself 
push everyone in your family out of their comfort zone and do family holidays all together, whether that be to the seaside or like whatever you can do. And so my takeaway from our trip to Disneyland was I am not clever. Being a high performance woman is shit. I am too ambitious for my own good. I really jumped the gun on an age appropriate trip for them. And I wanted everything to be perfect. So I booked the presidential suite, which was actually really dangerous for them because there's loads of stairs and a grand piano and hard surfaces. <laughs> Another good takeaway was that your children are only little for so long and Violet was drawn back into some of the magic of her own childhood from going to Disney. And she and Bobby got to bond a lot and go on some of the rides that were more you know, big kid rides while I push the buggy around, wishing that someone would offer me a fucking orange. Let's listen to some messages from our sponsors now. And when we return, I will open the letters, see what dilemmas, what questions, what concerns, what advice for other listeners you've been sending through this week. If you ever want to write me a letter, it's telling everybody everything at gmail.com. Please don't forget to share this podcast on your socials or just tell a friend about it because that's the only way people are going to start listening to it because I don't promote it myself. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Surprisingly, the celiacs were not that pissed off in my inbox. Catherine, listening to this week's episode about those with celiac disease up in arms, as a celiac myself, I did want to add some balance to the outrage. I do think it's quite funny that people take themselves so seriously. I've always joked that celiac disease helps me to be the most pretentious person at any dinner party, or that God knew I would be too powerful if I could properly digest gluten. Hilarious. I love it. I agree with you. I think it's very strange that someone would insist that a whole holiday meal be gluten-free. Seems a bit much. Just having one option or accommodation is so thoughtful. You know someone went out of their way to think of you and likely went out of their comfort zone in the process. I also can't help but think of the people who have traditional family recipes that are very much integral to their holidays. I love baking, but trying to bake or cook traditional items using gluten-free flour or products is tough. It's really tough, even if you know what you're doing. True. You got to use xanthan gum, corn flour, get the whole, I mean, it's, my mom experimented for years when my little sister had celiac before these products were readily available in shops. So yeah, I think you handled everything with grace, with grace, but I will say that being gluten-free and having celiac disease can be hard. I also think that it's one of the easier autoimmune diseases to have. Imagine telling someone with diabetes, rheumatoid arthritis, et cetera, that all they have to do is avoid gluten and their symptoms will improve. Well, hang on. No, that would be fucking great. <laughs> that would be great. What? It's one of the easier... Yes, it is one of the easier... Oh, okay. I thought you were saying it's one of the easier ones, but imagine if... Yes, a diabetic person would be thrilled to be like, wait a minute, I don't have to have diabetes anymore if I just avoid gluten. And I understand that it's hard and it's confusing and it's frustrating when maybe it took you a long time to get a diagnosis or people routinely misunderstand what your condition is. They think you're a vegan or something. I get all of that. I get it. But you have to have balance in life and understand that you don't exist in a vacuum of your own rights. And this young lady seems to have a great sense of humor about being celiac. And you have to have a sense of humor 
when you are at risk of shitting yourself on a dog walk. That's what my sister always told me. 21 and learning to be single. Catherine, I'm a 21-year-old student who recently got out of a three-and-a-half-year-long relationship only two months ago. I'm fine. He's fine. After listening to your podcast a lot, I realized we're not right for each other and I shouldn't be in something so serious at this age unless it feels totally right. We live together and now he's moved out, which I'm very happy about, but it suddenly dawned upon me that I am alone. I don't know how to be alone. I've been in a relationship all of my adult life. Sorry, the 24 months of your adult life? I know that this seems very dismissive, but 21 is so incredibly young that you are not even allowed to drink in America until that age. You can't rent a car. Your frontal lobe is still developing. You are the right age for Leonardo DiCaprio and for little else. You are so young that your entire adult life is ahead of you. Your entire adult life is still years away. You, in my eyes, are an adolescent. And I don't mean that as an insult. That is a wonderful, wonderful thing. The world is at your feet. You can do anything, be anything, go anywhere, achieve anything. Because you are 21 and you are not even in a rush to do it. Now is when you need to figure out how to enjoy your own company, how to love yourself, and how to be the best for you that you can be. So that later, when it is actually time to maybe have a family if you want that, have a partner, choose the right person, you know what you want and what you don't want. You know what you like and what you don't like. You know who you are and what you deserve. And I'm so excited for you. How do I embrace being single? I've had a few flings since things ended and I feel like I'm constantly on the hunt for my next hit of male validation. This is not the kind of person I want to be. Help. Well, yeah, I mean, there is a problem with that, though I think I would blame it on your hormones. Like you are extremely fertile at 21 as well. And I think that biology traps us all the time by being like, you need a man, you want a man, you better get pregnant, you need to settle down with the man, keep the man, look after the baby until it's a toddler and then have another baby. And Because we were animals just a second ago. So I think that calling those urges out into the room, articulating them and being like, I like boys and I am horny and I wanna have sex with boys and I want boys to like me because I'm 21 years old and everything about me is fun and flirty and sexy. That's okay. I would caution you to read The Slum Flower. It's always here in the podcast studio. Pocket power from The Slum Flower. I spoke about her last week. I cannot speak about her enough. Don't go grocery shopping when you're hungry because you'll end up buying what you don't need. I mean, this is very similar to something in my show. Don't date when you're desperate because you're more likely to end up with a man who will starve your soul and feed your ego. This is just full of little affirmations that will help you just it's 10 pounds on amazon probably on sale now after the holidays pocket power from the slum flower i am in no way affiliated with promoting this woman i just think that she's so smart and it's too late for me because i am in love with a human man and bobby treats me well but he doesn't have to and that's what's scary and sad because I'm in love with him. And once you're, you've got a family and you're in love with someone, you're in a partnership, it's very vulnerable because they could choose to take advantage of you or not treat you well. And then, oh, well, well, I love him. And you are without that right now. You're free. You can do anything. So you should date and be mindful about dating. And you should test out the grounds for, I'm not saying put yourself in danger or like do anything you're uncomfortable with, but make sure that you read this pocket bar from the slum flower and don't settle for less than what you deserve and recognize male attention for what it is and that that's not where true validation comes from. And just be excited about the journey. Like instead of thinking, oh, I'm alone, just think like I could be anywhere and with anyone. I am a prize and I am wonderful and I'm gonna figure out who I am and become an even better version of her. Oh, I'm so excited for you. I'm jealous in a way, like I love my life, but God, I fucking loved being 21. Okay. Catherine, I need an exit strategy. Oh, Joanne says, it must be that time of year. You have a handful of messages like this just in the last couple days. 
all right, girl, 21 year old girl, you need to listen to what happens if you don't sow your seeds and enjoy this time of being single. Catherine, I've been in a long distance relationship for the better part of two years. This dude is hot, hot, hot. We get on well. He has said, I mildly love you. Wow, so romantic. He says he's not madly in love, but he's not looking for that anymore. He's thought about wanting something more real. He's also mentioned that he wants me to move in with him. Oh, move to be with him. He's also talked about kids with me. I've attempted to end it three times in the last year for various reasons, mostly his uncertainty and lack of commitment. I used to want more and could picture a life with him, but now I feel trapped and I have a very strong urge to get the fuck out. This trip is a month long to see, quote, how we go. But I don't want to go with someone who compares his mild feelings for me with the deep feelings he had for his ex-wife. Well, I didn't know he was doing that. It's weird. It feels forced. Maybe he's just a womb digger. I'm 34. He's 41. He's not a womb digger. He doesn't want kids. He sort of likes the idea and the concept of kids. But... I don't know if any man like truly wants what it takes to look after kids if he's this non-committal about the woman who would be their mother. You know what I mean? The holiday is lush and I'm having fun. Oh, you're already on this holiday. But I want to leave after New Year's before going back to spend time with his kid and being a trial stepmom. How do I say I want to leave without making a big deal? My plan was an excuse followed by a fizzle ghost, but I'm trying to break this passive avoidance behavior. Oh my gosh. Love from your mildly loved listener. Pocket power by the slum flower. You need to read this. But the Coles notes of that, which is Canadian for Cliff's notes, is that don't you think that God or the universe or whomever, whatever greater power you believe in, put you on this earth to be more than mildly loved? To accept nothing less than to be treasured as the very precious woman that you are. Not to be on trial all your life, to be on a knife edge of like, oh, does he want me? Does he not want me? What about what you want? Do you want a man who treats you like this, who compares you to his ex-wife, who might be using you in your words just to have more children with or to look after the kid that he already has when it's his every other weekend or whatever the fuck it is? What is his custody arrangement? I need to know that. How old is this other child? I need to know that. A 41-year-old man is pretty much fully formed, and I don't think he's going to get better from here on in. He's had 41 years to be the asshole that he sounds like. And why did his wife leave him or he left her? It sounds like it was her choice if he's so madly in love with her and wants to bring it up in your relationship. I love ghosting. You think that you're trying to break this habit of being passive and avoidant. Well, you can look into different attachment types if you want, but usually if you are in the right relationship and you've sorted all your shit, you won't be anxious and you won't be avoidant. And it sounds like in this relationship, you're a mix of the two. I think that you can confront this head on and say to him, I'm having a lovely time on holiday. We've been together for two years. I'm about to be 35, which is a very pivotal age for most women. And say, I would love to know where this relationship is going. In different words, if you feel more comfortable with that. Just like, what do you want? Because you've joked before maybe about mildly in love. And I know that I'm worth more than that. And I just want to hear from you. Like, what are you thinking? Or I don't want to leave it a month. Be like, where do you stand right now? Bring it up in whatever way. Like, I don't really know this guy, how you talk to this guy. But you need to bring it up quite clearly. And whatever he says in that moment, you have to take as his answer. You have to believe in that moment that if he rubs, if he sort of um, pushes you off again with like, oh, I mildly love you. I don't know. I don't know. I'm testing. I'm testing. Then you need to go, right, okay. And then you just leave. Not as a big dramatic exit, but you just go, okay. And then you spend the night and you finish your cocktail and then when he goes out for the walk or whatever he's doing on holiday, you calmly pack your bag and you book another ticket and you just go and you say nothing further. And I'm so jealous of you because if you're strong enough, and it will take strength because being imbalanced is really difficult and your body searches for that equilibrium again and you feel like you've made a mistake and you're out of your comfort zone and you panic on the flight. But if you are strong enough to stand by your beliefs for who you are and what you deserve, 
and you actually walk away from this man without a trace. Silence is universal language. He will understand. He's not stupid. If he is that stupid, then you don't need to be with him anyway. He will think to himself in his little hotel room, oh, she asked me last night if I love her and if um, where I see this going, if I'm ready to commit to her. And I said mildly, and now she's gone. Oh, uh-oh. And he will understand that you have created boundaries for yourself and you have stood by those boundaries and you have enforced them. He doesn't think you have the strength to leave him because he's being, I mean, I don't want to throw around the word abuse, but he's mildly abusive to you, to your feelings, dismissive of you and very cavalier about what you deserve. And he's about to get out of this relationship, the level of commitment that he's put in. He'll understand and he won't be able to call you crazy or mental or everything else because you didn't blow up at him. There was no fight. You just disappeared. He said, how do you feel about me? He said, mild. And then you left for a warmer climate, figuratively. And I'm sorry to cut your holiday short. I know you're having a nice time, but this holiday is like a distraction for the problems that you guys have. Do you know what I mean? Like if you want to leave and you have a gut instinct to tell you to, to get the fuck out and you're on this lovely holiday, imagine how you'll feel like a dark November evening in like Scotland or wherever you live. You know, like times don't get better than this. You don't have any small children. You don't have a mortgage. You're on this lovely holiday. You're dating. Like everything should be perfect. And if it isn't, and especially if he's comparing you to his ex-wife, I mean... It's easier said than done. So I hope you have the strength to leave if that's what your gut is telling you. <sighs> Abusive neighbors. Catherine, I live in a terraced house and the walls are thin so we can often hear the neighbors. The couple next door to us often have arguments and the problem is these can be really nasty. One time he threatened to push her down the stairs and claim insurance money. My boyfriend and friend were home and they called the police. But from what we heard the police say outside, they said the woman said she never feels unsafe. So the police left and said it wasn't nice, but they couldn't do anything. Since then, for a couple months, he was a lot quieter. If we heard shouting, it was her defending herself or telling him to stop calling her nasty things. He often calls her fat and she gets really upset. I think he knows we can hear, so he says things to keep her quiet enough so that we can't. Anyway, more recently, they've been arguing more again. This morning, Christmas Eve at 8.30 a.m., I heard him, her telling him to stop calling her fat and that it's verging on bullying. It makes me sick when I see him and he acts so nice, like when we drop parcels around that got delivered. I just worry that she's stuck in that relationship and it could be worse than what we're hearing. I hardly ever see her. I hear her when she comes home from work, but it isn't the type of thing where I could chat to her without him hearing. I wouldn't want to make it worse for her. We aren't sure what to do. It's just so horrible and sad. Any advice would be appreciated. I mean, unfortunately, I feel like a lot of relationships are very bad and toxic. And she has to want to recognize that she deserves more than being in a relationship with someone who's bullying and abusive. Like the police came and she said she didn't feel safe and their hands were tied. And I don't know what you can do in that relationship, in that situation, if you don't know her well enough to insert yourself. I suppose you could send um, a New Year's card, like a Happy New Year from your neighbors, and put your number on there. Be like, if you ever want to have tea or coffee, like open the door that way. Uh, leave sort of a little dog whistle to her that you are a safe person that she can come and speak to. But it's so complicated because she could feel embarrassed or she could feel like they, they know you're the ones calling the police and he might get upset if she talks to you or there is a scenario where like this is how she grew up. This is the man she's chosen for a reason and they think that this is a functional relationship and you know better and it sounds really toxic to you but she's chosen to be in this relationship and maybe she's like, yeah, he calls me fat and I tell him to fuck off and then we have these little arguments and this is our life and I love him very much and I don't want out. Like, you don't know. All you can do is extend an olive branch, a little, like, happy holidays card with your number, but I mean, even when it's your best friend who's in a tricky situation, if you insert yourself, oftentimes you become the bad guy and they cling to their partner anyway and now you don't get to speak to them, like, even less holiday card would be my approach. Does anyone else have any better advice? Speaking of advice, last week I asked for the most wild diseases or illnesses off the back of my dear hero, mentor, 
idol, Celine Dion, um, being diagnosed with stiff person syndrome. And you wrote back with loads of these. When you ask about diseases, it made me think of how my family member died this year. I'm so sorry to hear that. They had, okay, I'm going to pronounce this wrong, Kreutzfeld Jakob's disease, CJD, which is incredibly rare. It is a prion disease, which means it's not currently curable. Prions cannot be killed like viruses or bacteria. What the fuck is a prion? Prions cannot be killed? Basically, it causes you to get dementia very quickly. And the type they had was the classic one, which happens randomly to one in a million people. My family member lost their ability to walk, control their arms, and then their memory. And then they were just gone. They often die from choking or pneumonia because their bodies just can't handle the basic functions to maintain life. Most people die three to six months from symptoms beginning. For my family member, it was three months. The reason I bring it up is because while it's rare to get the type my family member had, there's another prion disease called variant Kreutzfeldt-Jakob's disease, VCJD, caused by eating red meat infected with mad cow, which is apparently a ticking time bomb in the UK currently, as many people were exposed to it. And while it's not currently curable, I think not enough research is being done to find ways to prevent or cure it. I think for your main demographic, it's important. It's an important disease to be aware of as it may affect them or a family member in the coming years. With more advocacy from celebrities and influential people such as yourself, maybe they can find a way to help slow it or stop it entirely. Whoa, eating red meat infected with mad cow. So when I was very young, I remember from Canada hearing about this, I mean, there have been epidemics throughout our lifetime. Um, mad cow, why does it say trigger warning, mad cow disease? So I, I hope like this isn't triggering for people in the UK, but I remember in Ireland and the UK, like reading and hearing about this. And then when you visited farms, like for a number of years, you had to take your shoes off when you go somewhere. Like, I don't really know what that is, but apparently during that time, you could have ingested meat infected with that and it will trigger this variant of this prion disease. Well, I mean, look, they research what they want to research and no amount of mentions on this podcast is going to change that. I'm so sorry about your family member. What a crazy thing. And I'm going to research prions this week because now I'm scared of prions. Catherine, bizarre allergy. I thought I'd write in with my dad's dietary requirements. Re, you asking for weird medical conditions. Not exactly the same, but I'm curious if anyone out there can top it or if anyone can puzzle out what the fuck is going on with him because he's given up on going to doctors about it. Everything I'm going to list is like proper bad allergies. If he eats them, even a tiny amount, he will end up bedridden or with fatigue for several weeks. Whoa. All right, get your medical hats on. People who know about Food insensitivity is, this sounds almost autoimmune to me right away. His body can't process this food and he's bedridden. All right. He can't eat sugar, including fruits, alcohol, caffeine, cocoa, peanuts, any grains. Seems normal enough, but the weird bit comes from that if he doesn't eat a lot of carbs before 5 p.m., he can't sleep, which is difficult when he can't eat any grains. So he has to eat 800 calories of potato every single day before 5 p.m., for reference, that is two pots of ready-made mash from the supermarkets, which are described as serves two, or 10 potato waffles every day. I'm so scared that I'm going to develop the same problems. He started getting these symptoms in his 20s, the age I am now, but they got really bad when he was in his late 30s. I also have allergies and autoimmune conditions. If anyone, any one of your listeners does have advice, fire away. But this is me putting it forward as a wacky medical condition. What? So he can't process any sugar, any alcohol, any caffeine, any like chocolate, peanuts, any grains at all. So he has to eat basically like keto. He eats, I guess, like meat and cheese in the day and vegetables, hopefully. And then he has to eat potatoes before 5 p.m. or else he's awake all night. So it's like the opposite of fatigue. He seems to be very linked to uh, carbs for wake and sleep. I mean, what is that? Does anyone know what that is? Please write me a letter telling everybody everything at gmail.com. And we will kick off with this next week. That is so interesting. Huh. One final email and then we'll go. And that will be the last episode of 2023. Catherine, I'm a gay guy who shares a house with four straight men. Oh, why would you do that to yourself? Why? What a nightmare. Oh, I mean, I, well, maybe you sort of fancy 
straight men sometimes. A lot of my gay friends do. But I would never li ever live with a straight man if I did not actively fancy him. So Bobby, watch out if I ever stop fancying you. You're living in the podcast studio. Zero hate crimes have been committed. No drama. We all get along fine. Good to hear. My question is this. I occasionally come across men on the gay dating apps who want to be made to clean a house or scrub floors for sexual gratification. Is it weird to let them do that in a shared living space? And either way, how would I suggest the idea of inviting a random horny guy to clean our house once a week to my straight roommates? These cleaning men generally just want to show up, clean, and maybe be a little belittled while they do it. Obviously, I'd never ask any of my roommates to have sex with a stranger I invited to the house, but asking them to allow someone inside and knowing that person is getting off on it feels kind of like asking them to participate in a sex act. Hmm. At the same time, I live in a house with five men. We barely clean ourselves, let alone the house. So a horny floor scrubber honestly feels like a great idea. You're the nicest guy. More gay men, please. Because you know that kinks are fine as long as everyone is consensually aware of what's going on in the kink. And if you hired this horny man or like invited him, I, I don't know if the word is hired, like just allowed him to come into your house and clean. If you just said to your flatmates, this is my new cleaner, they would sort of, well, they maybe wouldn't be confused. I think straight men just take what's told to them and they don't really investigate that much further a lot of the time. Great, my house is getting cleaned by that guy, fine. He has a boner, not my problem. But you think, oh, that's not fair because there is a sexual element so they need to be made aware of it because obviously he'll be getting off on their mess or some them watching him clean or whatever it is. So I think that you need to explain to these men just like you explained to me. You need to be like, look, sometimes I meet guys on apps who want to clean the house and I don't think they're dangerous. Five of us, one of them. So I mean like, what could they possibly do? They do get sexual gratification from cleaning. So I didn't want to just have this happen under your nose and not tell you about it because I just want to be totally transparent with my flatmates. We won't be paying him, but he will probably wank to the thought of cleaning our kitchen later on. And if you feel like calling him a loser as you pass by, he would love that as well. And if you don't want to participate, just don't speak to him. But he's coming to clean. How do you feel about it? And I really think that the guys, you know, even though they're straight, I think they understand kinks. And a lot of them probably visit dominatrix or whatever. Like I've learned a lot about the femdom world through some of my work this year. And maybe they, like maybe one of your flatmates might be like, oh, I didn't want to say anything, but I'd love for you guys to call me an asshole while I scrub the shower. Like, I don't know. I don't understand everything that I need to understand about life, but I know that there are kinks and a lot of people like to do this type of subservient stuff. And so just be honest with them and I think they will love it. I think I would just say, listen, I've got a agency sort of group of rotating cleaners. Um, they're men and they want to come and clean this house from top to bottom. How do you feel? And the guys will be like, how much is it? And you go, well, here's the twist. It's zero dollars, but they will get sexual gratification from it. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to say anything, but that's happening. I think it's, as long as you're honest, I think it's the very same as if they brought someone home from the bar. And will this bitch be doing the dishes? I doubt it. And good for her. Well, thank you so much. That is everything for this episode and this year of telling everybody everything. Thank you for your continued listenership. Thank you for your letters. It's a wonderful community. If you know anything about any of these bizarre diseases, especially the one with the list of allergies and intolerance to any uh, sugars, please write us telling everybody everything at gmail.com. I hope you have a very responsible, happy, and safe New Year's Eve, and I'll see you next week. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 